0: Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we're continuing our study on medical freedom and the theology of medical freedom specifically. And I'm excited to look at this because this is something that I think is really important for you to understand and something that a lot of people don't talk about. And of course, uh, as you've probably noticed, I, I don't know, at least I've noticed this, as I go out in public more and more, I'm seeing more people Once again, wearing masks and, of course, you're hearing more and more talk about COVID once again and COVID outbreaks and things like that. And along with that, of course, comes lots of, well, medical freedom questions. Uh, And do we have the right as Christians to say no when the government says you need to get a jab? Do we have a responsibility to stand up against uh, the civil government when they do that? Uh, and that's a lot of what we're going to be looking at. And of course, um, do you actually have autonomy to choose when it comes to an actual legitimate medical procedure that's within God's law or uh, outside of God's law uh, to go and to say no to something like that? Do you have actual medical autonomy when it's actually a legitimate procedure? Uh, uh, you, you know, when we're not talking about going in and, and saying, hey, I, I have the right to choose to murder a baby. OK, that's that's not medical stuff, obviously. But uh, when we look at this concept, um, this is something that is incredibly, incredibly important to understand. And the foundations that we looked at yesterday were incredibly important. If you didn't listen to that, I would really encourage you to listen to that because we really looked at four types of government, self-government, family government, civil government, ecclesiastical government, that all four of these governments that are created by God, they all have a scope. And then, of course, not only do they have a scope, but they are delegated in authority. Well, today we're going to be looking at the civil government, and specifically, what did God create the civil government to do? Because when it comes to this idea of medical freedom, it's really going to be good and important to understand what is it that God created the civil government to do. And so I want to read Romans 13, verses 1 through 7, and then also Genesis 9, verses 1 through 7, and it says this in Romans 13. So let every soul be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists ordinance, the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Do what is good, and you will praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, uh, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to to this very thing. Render therefore all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due, custom to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Now, before we get into Genesis chapter 9, I just want to make a quick note. We're going to be looking at Romans 13. I believe it's tomorrow. We're going to be looking a lot closer at Romans 13 and understanding Romans 13. But Genesis 9 says this, verses 1 through 7. God blessed so God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth, on every bird of the air, and on all that moves on the earth, and on all the fish of the sea, they are given to, into your hand. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, uh, even as the green herbs, but you shall not eat the flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Surely for your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning. From the hand of every beast I will require it, from the hand of every man. From the hand of every man's brother I will require life of man." Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. And as for you, be fruitful and multiply, bringing forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it. Now, the context of Genesis chapter 9, which is really important to go and to understand this, of course, is Noah and his family. They just got off the ark. This is They're just getting off the ark, and there's the Noahic covenant that's being made here. This covenant with Noah is being made. And part of this covenant that's being made is the gift uh, or really the the, the ruling factor here of civil government. God is establishing civil government, and we can really see this in verse 6 when he goes and he says, Whomever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God he made man. And we see that capital punishment is given to man for shedding man's blood. So in the sense of if you are a murderer— Now God is going and saying there is a responsibility by man, a civil government, to come and to put that man to death, to go and to uh, perform capital punishment on him because he has committed such a crime by going and killing someone who is made in the image of God. Wow. God is looking out and he's saying, I love you so much. I, I I care about you so much. I have stamped my image on you, and that gives you value. And if someone comes and they try to go and to get rid of that value by going and killing you, it, it's not only something that that is absolutely terrible and horrible and wrong, but it is marring my image that I stamped upon you. And that man is deserving of death. It's it, it is a preserving of life, so that they don't go out and murder more people, so they don't become a serial killer, so that they don't go and do this. And so there is a defense of the innocent, a protecting of the innocent that we see, and a punishment of evil. And that is ultimately the purpose of civil government, to protect the innocent and to punish the evil. To protect the innocent and to punish the evil. Now, if we go back to Romans chapter 13, Romans chapter 13, we see here uh, in uh, verses 3 and 4, "...for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Do what is good, and you will praise from the same. For he is God's minister for you to good, but if you do evil, be afraid, uh, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on those who practice evil." Once again, we see here this concept of what is the purpose of civil government. It is to go and to protect the innocent and to punish the wicked, to punish evil. And this is incredibly important to go and to understand when it comes to medical freedom, because there is a scope that government is to have. Their job is to fall within the concept or within the idea of going and Punishing evil or protecting the good. Punishing evil or protecting the good. Now, I want you to keep that in mind because uh, we're going to look at that here in just a little little bit more. And uh, this is really an important concept. But I also want you to understand an implication here. And this is something that I mentioned yesterday, but I want to spend just a little bit more time on this. God gave civil government to man in Genesis chapter 9. That's where we see that. It, It continues in Romans chapter 13. Obviously, it's referring to the same thing. And of course, it includes all of the civil laws that are in between, because that's defining what's good and what's evil. But it's this concept here that civil government is given from God to man. So therefore, it is an authority that is given to man from God, which means that it is delegated. Now, this is incredibly important to understand the concept of this and to grab this truth. In fact, it might be the most important truth that you're listening to here this morning. And that is that because civil government's authority is delegated from God, it means two things one, it is limited. It is limited authority. You do not have unlimited submission to civil government. It's limited because it's in within the scope that it is delegated from the greater authority. There, there is a greater authority than civil government. The second thing is is that in order for civil government's authority to be legitimate, it has to be in agreement with the one who gave them authority. That's the reality of it. What does that mean? It means that if they have a law, That violates or goes against God's laws, they're no longer legitimate. They can't make up their authority. They can't go outside of the bounds of what was given because they're not creating their own authority. God is giving it to them. God is giving it to them. They're His ministers, is what He's saying in Romans 13. I really want to look into Romans 13. We're going to do that tomorrow because there's a lot that I want to look at here this morning. But this is an important concept to understand, that civil government is a delegated authority, and this implies, one, that there is a scope that they have. There is a limit to their authority, and two, not only that there's a limit to their authority, but the second thing, which is incredibly important to go and to understand, is that their authority is under God's authority, it must agree with God's authority. Otherwise, it becomes illegitimate because God's giving it. He's not giving them authority that he disagrees with. He's not going, you know, I'll let you go and make up rules that go against my rules, and it's okay because I'm giving that authority to you. No, God's not saying that. He's going and saying, look, stay within my bounds. And what are God's bounds? They're his laws. This is so, so vital. People don't talk about this today. They don't preach on this today. Most pastors, I don't think, understand this today. They are His laws. So, when it comes to medical freedom, if we're going to go into understand this concept, that government's job is to protect the innocent and to punish the wicked, if we're going to go and understand that government has a delegated authority that is limited in scope that it's it's limited in, in where it can go there is a greater authority than it and that it must be in agreement with the one who gave them that authority if we're going to understand that are there any laws that God gives for sickness well there are laws specifically i think about the leper laws now what are the leper laws Somebody goes and they have a symptom of leprosy. They come to an official. At this point in time, it was a priest. And they would go and they would show the priest their skin. And the priest would then go and tell them, OK, you need to go into quarantine yourself for a amount of time. And then you can come out. And then we'll check it again. And of course, then there could be kind of a permanent quarantine because of leprosy. And with it being spread. But I want you to understand some principles here. One, it's only the symptomatic that are coming to get checked out that are even candidates for quarantine. Two, it is only the sick that are quarantined. And three, we see here that those who are healthy are unaffected. Because those who are symptomatic and those who are sick are the ones who are being quarantined. So first of all, when it comes to medical freedom and we think about this whole jabs and masks and we think about COVID... When the government shut down and they quarantined healthy people, not only do we see that with the science that it hurt the the idea of herd mentality and getting over it, but it goes against God's law, and of course, that goes against the laws of nature then, because God created the laws of nature, and we see here that with the quarantining of the healthy, they're in violation of God's law, and they're in violation, therefore, of the authority that God delegated to them, and they are becoming illegitimate in that command. Now, it's even simpler than that if you want to go look at a political aspect, and that is literally they're violating the First Amendment of the right to peaceably assemble. But we we don't have time to go and get into all that. There's a lot of good stuff. We could go and look at that. But we're looking at this. They're literally violating God's law. And what are they doing in quarantining the healthy? They're going and they're saying, look, I know that all you want to go and do is go to work, provide for your family, and go and live life as usual. And in quarantining the healthy, what are they going and doing? They're stopping people from doing good things as opposed to protecting the innocent. They're punishing the innocent. That's what they're doing. So they're not fulfilling what God created them to do and they're going outside of their jurisdiction. This is a violation of God's Word, and this is why it should have never been obeyed by any church and by any Christian, by any company. They should have gone and said, no, you don't have the right to do this. You do not have the right to quarantine the healthy. And pastors should have stood up, and they should have said this. There were a few who did. I can tell you specifically on this, Pastor Carrie Gordon, my pastor, did an incredible job of going and standing up and showing that they were violating God's law by quarantining the sick, or excuse me, quarantining the healthy as opposed to going and saying, look, if you're sick, you need to stay home. But instead, they're quarantining the healthy. Everybody needs to stay home. Everybody needs to social distance. They don't have the jurisdiction to go and to do that and to go and to tell you being unsymptomatic, being healthy, that you can't go and out th- go out there and do that. And We find that that's a problem. Now, of course, this goes into mass as well, because what are they doing with mass? They're also quarantining your face. They're quarantining The healthy, that's a problem. That's wrong. That's a violation of God's law. That's a violation of the authority that was delegated to them. It becomes illegitimate authority. And this is important to understand. This is so vital to go and to look at with God's word and to go and to realize. God wasn't surprised by COVID. And he gave us a blueprint as to how to overcome it. And it was with natural immunity and it was with herd immunity. And of course, this requires that the healthy are not quarantined. Yeah, you might quarantine the sick, but you're not going to quarantine the healthy. They don't have the right to go into quarantine the healthy. They don't have the right to do that. It becomes a wrong when they do that. And by the way, that's important to understand when we're talking about rights, they're in relation to rights and wrongs. And so that means there must be a moral arbiter. Well, who's making the decisions? It needs to be God. It needs to be based on His Word. The design of the civil government was to go into punish the wicked and protect the innocent. And when it came to quarantines, they didn't do it, and they violated God's Word— and this is where you can stand. You can go and say, no, 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 no. Your job is to protect the innocent, to punish the wicked. This is punishing the innocent. So that's wrong. And in doing so, you're rewarding the wicked. There were wicked men who benefited greatly from the the, the devastation that COVID had on our economy. It's just the reality of it. But then you can also go and tell them, no, 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 no. You have the responsibility to be in agreement with God's law, to be uh, not just in agreement with God's law, but you have the responsibility to not go against God's law. And God's law only tells us that we can quarantine the sick, and it forbids. It, It doesn't say that we can quarantine the healthy. There's no practice of that. That is wrong. You cannot quarantine the healthy. Well, I hope this has been helpful for you here this morning. I'm excited to go and to dig in a little further into Romans 13 tomorrow, and then we're going to start getting into a little bit more on the jabs and specifically looking at the life of Daniel. I'm really excited to get into that. But today we're just building some more foundation, but I think this is a really important one so you can understand why the lockdowns were wrong. When it comes to medical freedom, your government violated it. Every governor except for Christy Noem violated this. So yes, if you're in Iowa today, you can go and you can rightly point at Kim Reynolds and say, you tyrantess, you did wrong. You violated God's law. You went against what God said to do in your word. And I have, I have said that publicly. I have said that calling into her office. I have said that sending her messages because she was wrong and she needed to repent I don't think she really did repent because she still maintains those emergency powers, but that's for a story for another day. But thank you for listening today and remember Joshua one, eight, nine, as we depart today. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. That you may choose or excuse me, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, then you'll have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We hold to the promise There's nothing we can't Overcome So that war you've been Fighting will end in God's Timing, sing like The battle's been won Can you feel it, the song